Hey y'all, this is Culture Soup, where tech, culture, and business collide. It's a podcast that spoons up everything hot from social media. I'm your host, L. Michelle Smith, and each episode, we bring you some of the most notable and not yet notable thought leaders in tech, business, and culture. Hey everyone, I'm just back from Los Angeles, California from attending the board meetings for Opera America. We had a wonderful time and discussed a lot of very important issues and along the way saw some wonderful shows, heard some wonderful music and experienced some wonderful food and wine. I won't lie. That being said, this is a bonus episode. Yes, why are we showing up on a Sunday night? I wanted to give you this gift on the last day of Opera Week 2018. I sat down with the CEO of Opera America, Mark Skorka, and we discussed a number of things, not least among them inclusion in the opera and what they are doing to foster a sense of belonging in an art form that has been portrayed as, and sometimes even been, very exclusive. Not so much more from me, but without further ado, my conversation with Mark Skorka, CEO of Opera America. start off with our culture soup moment and as you know I'll pull a hashtag or an emoji or a phrase that's trending mm-hmm. or very popular at the moment and it's a great time to do this because it's opera week. Opera week. Hashtag opera week. Yes hashtag opera week. So opera week um, we had a discussion in the board meeting about how we're trying to expand our reach mm-hmm. uh, f- by opera America by working with the um, the houses that are out there yes. and the different directors mm-hmm. and the artists. And the artists yes, so ha- how is that working? How's it going? Well, it's going very well. And we see a lot more social media engagement this year than mm-hmm. last year. We put some real emphasis on that uh, because we really want to hear why opera matters to people, the people who create it, perform it, the people who go and enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, opera has this uh, image of being remote, old-fashioned, mm. European, foreign, and we just you know, it's a multimedia art form right? in a multimedia world. Mm-hmm. And the subject matter, whether it's, if it's an old opera, the subject matter is kind of universal, but there's so much new opera going on where people can really go to opera as a musical, theatrical experience that resonates with the world they live in. Right. So we only get, get word out there through National Opera Week about why opera matters to people. What mm-hmm. is it that moves them? What is it that captivates them? Uh, why would they encourage someone else to go? Right. So there seems to be an urgency to reach more people. Can you talk to me about why that might be? Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think in any business, mm-hmm. there is an urgency to build and refresh your customer base. Right. So that is just a natural part of running a business. Mm-hmm. And an opera company is a business. Mm-hmm. Beyond that, opera has um, been... 
uh, I think, hampered in its advance in this country by the negative stereotypes about its being old, right. European, uh, boring. Mm -hmm. And we feel that to really make opera thrive in this country as a multimedia cultural expression that talks about the issues of today, we need to break down some of that negative stereotype. Right. So the urgency for us is traditional business practice, just get people to think better about your product and hopefully they'll buy more. Mm -hmm. But we also know that we need to deconstruct these negative impressions about opera and give people a new image of what this art form is. Right. So is it all stereotype? Is there anything that you're trying to do inside the opera to change, to be more inviting? Oh, like any stereotype, <laughs> there are elements within it that generate the stereotype right. itself. <laughs> right. So uh, I'm, a, I'm a big one to own how mm. the opera world has a bunch of inherited practices that make newcomers feel less welcome than we would wish them mm -hmm. to feel. Um, and that's everything with, you know, when do you applaud? What do you wear? Mm -hmm. um, what is the proper behavior in the opera house? And I think a lot of our opera companies are re-examining the entire audience experience. Mm -hmm. Because food and beverage matters, socializing, being able to take pictures and share them on social media. Um, yes, during a performance, we want everyone to be quiet. But um, there, are t there are times to, to share, to enjoy, to applaud, uh, to yell and scream right. if you like it. And, and we just need people to realize that, that making newcomers feel welcome in the opera house is a shared responsibility. Right. And some opera companies are coming along a little faster than others. Mm -hmm. I know that they're doing research. You mentioned that the L.A. Opera, where we went last night, had done some research and yeah. discovered some things. And I noticed a difference between um, this spring when we went to the opera and this fall, mm -hmm. just last night, mm -hmm. and the difference in, in how they even encouraged us to use our devices. Yeah. Did you pick up on that? Absolutely. And, and L.A. Opera is still, you know, is out front, as in a way Opera Theater of St. Louis is out front. Mm -hmm. Opera Theater of St. Louis, where we were in the spring, mm -hmm. is among the most casual opera companies that you'll see. People are right. in shirts and khakis jeans. and jeans and just going and enjoying it. And at Opera Theater, there's a beautiful tent on a lawn in a garden. Mm -hmm. People can have their picnic dinners there. Oh, that's awesome. They go after performance and meet the artists. It's a very friendly evening if you go mm -hmm. to Opera Theater of St. Louis. Here at Los Angeles Opera, the Dorothy Chandler Pavilion, is a nearly 50-year-old grand opera house with a big staircase <laughs> and the big chandeliers. So I think LA Opera has to work even harder to make people feel relaxed and comfortable in an environment that might imply sort of formality sure. and, and barriers, economic, social mm -hmm. barriers to attendance. So last night's uh, announcements beforehand, which is, you know, please turn off your cell yes. phone. Everyone knows those. Yes. But the way, you know, they, they joke and say, please don't sing, sing along. along. <laughs> uh, and they encourage you to, you know, keep on your device. So right. That way if you're, you know, uh, wanting to share, you can. And it was, it was much more relaxed than the normal pre-curtain speech. Right. And I can't stand it. It's so funny you bring that up, Michelle, because <laughs> it's a, it's a bugaboo of mine. I haven't written about it yet. Uh -huh. Is you hear, welcome to the Acme Opera Company. You cannot leave and get back into the theater until intermission. You yes. cannot take pictures. Turn off your cell phones. Do not unwrap uh, gum. Have a good time. No, 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 no. Like Go. And the language is you are forbidden. Yes. You are prohibited from. Yes. You will not be allowed to mm -hmm. and have a nice evening. Right. And it's like, no, can't we make it a little friendlier? 
and and I thought last night's pre-curtain announcement it was, awesome. was much friendlier. It was awesome. Yeah. And it was a female voice. Yes, it which was. Which is also refreshing. I hadn't thought about that. Yes. And, you know, being a male, I don't, I don't notice <laughs> those things all the time. But you're absolutely right, because mm-hmm. normally they're male voices, and sometimes they... they Oh, this drives me crazy. Sometimes they search for the, the British accent yes, in the office. Yes, yes. So you have this, this British accent, a deep male voice, telling you what you were prohibited to do and have a nice evening. And have a nice evening. Yeah. Exactly. They also gave us hashtags to use, mm-hmm. which was awesome. Um, when I met you, by the way, we need to talk about that yeah. so everybody knows. Um, some people have seen the video, but I spoke at the conference. At our annual conference in, in Dallas. Dallas. And we had four incredible speakers. Yes. Fourth up. And uh, the, the first three, as we had anticipated, had limited exposure to opera. They mm-hmm. didn't really know about it. So we were asking them, uh, two of them were women of color, one was a white man, and we were asking them what, what the opera experience is like to them as newcomers or as right. infrequent attendants. Mm-hmm. And then you spoke so beautifully about social media and its role in the world around us and the culture world. Mm-hmm. And um, I asked you from an outsider point of view, what's it like going to the opera? And that's when you said, wait, I'm a trained mezzo soprano. Right, right. And you just brought down the house because <laughs> you know, here... You were an insider. Right. You, you knew opera from the inside. Mm-hmm. So you have this incredible dual perspective of someone who is not necessarily a frequent attender, but sure. loves the art form and trained in the art right. form. And you can give us great feedback about how we're doing. Well, I was so excited when you tracked me down. <laughs> it was hard to catch up with that year. Yeah. I was traveling a lot, but I was so humbled and so excited to join. And the premise was that I would help you mm-hmm. in Opera America. Yeah. Uh, with their social media and marketing and PR with a bent towards being more inclusive, yes. which was exciting to me mm-hmm. because that is absolutely where I, I kind of live, work, and breathe sure. right now. Sure. Um, so let's talk about some of the things mm-hmm. that Opera America is doing. I have had the pl- pleasure to sit in at least two board meetings yeah. so far, yeah. and I'm involved in two committees. Right. One is advocacy and, mm-hmm. and communications, right. and the other one is Our civic practice. Civic practice. So let's talk mm-hmm. about those. Well, Opera America has given away almost $15 million over the last 30 years to support the creation of new opera. Mm-hmm. And what we found is that over those 30 years, $15 million, 95% of the grants were to men, male composers, mm. and that women are absolutely, dramatically underrepresented as composers of opera. So, working with a wonderful foundation, the Virginia B. Toulmin Foundation, we have a program now that supports, provides grants directly to women who are creating opera, and we support opera companies that are commissioning operas from women. Mm-hmm. Uh, this year, we're thrilled to be unveiling a new program that does something similar, slightly different, but something similar for mm-hmm. composers and librettists of color. Mm-hmm. Because And you know what, for the know, listeners out there, mm-hmm. let's talk about what a librettist is. Sure. Um, opera is uh, a theatrical art form. Yes. So there's lots of music and beautiful mm-hmm. singing, but underneath it all is text. Yes. It is a a play of sorts that is enhanced, elevated, amplified, intensified by music. So you'd say they're like a screenwriter almost. They're almost like a screenwriter. Absolutely. What's interesting is a screen, you know, a script for a movie is different than a script for television. Right. It's different than a play 
the or a musical or a musical and opera it, it is a script mm-hmm. that has unique characteristics that make it suitable for the opera voice and opera right. style which means there are fewer words mm-hmm. because it takes a long time to sing a line yes uh, think of you know I could say happy birthday to you happy birthday to you but if I'm singing it it takes longer yes um, so in opera there have to be fewer words and a librettist is writing text but it was Toni Morrison who said it, and she was a keynote speaker at our annual conference. Oh, love 10 years her! Ago. Yes, and she said that a good libretto has to leave room for the music. Oh, that the words cannot be so dense that mm-hmm. there's no room for music. Well, and we saw that, and you're going to help me to pronounce last night's mm-hmm. opera name because I only heard it once. Right, um, but there was so much acting and movement in between the Mm -hmm. singing. Mm -hmm. And it was very, very lethargic and slow. And so there needed to be room for that emotion to come through. Well, what you saw last night was Philip Glass's Satyagraha. Satyagraha. And it is, um, I love the piece. I think Mm -hmm. it is just a great example. Uh, It was written in the Mm mid-1980s. It is in the minimalist form of Philip Glass. It is an unusual opera in its relationship between music and text mm-hmm. because it's in Sanskrit. Oh. So that's why there were projected translations. Wow. And it is very repetitive. The oh, way absolutely. Philip Glass's music is repetitive. Mm-hmm. Um, the text is also repeated again and mm-hmm. again and again. So yes, it was very meditative. Mm-hmm. Um, and on, on episodes in the life of Gandhi, when he was living in South Africa, and we had um, text that was repeated again and again in music that is repetitive, the minimalist style. And of there was class. choreography. Absolutely. And puppets. And incredible Huge design, puppets. Huge puppets. Julian Crouch is such a master of that. Mm-hmm. Um, very um, slow and interpretive movement that was consistent with the movement of the music and right. the text. So it was a, a great integrated music theater piece last mm-hmm. night. And... Um, you know, if you were to go see Carmen tonight, it would be utterly different. Right. And that's what's so wonderful about opera is that piece to piece to piece, it can be so different. Um, nonetheless, we want people to feel that they can come to the opera house, like it, experience it, talk about it, share it with friends. Uh, and there's such a variety of work. There, and of course, opera, there have been people who've loved opera all their lives and, and they go... And one of the things we try to do in Opera America is to convey the, the responsibility to make newcomers feel that they belong. Mm-hmm. That they belong in our opera house. They belong in our art form. That they belong in our row. Even right. though I've never seen you before. You know, if I've been going to the opera for 50 years, basically I have, <laughs> that if I see someone I haven't seen before, that I say hello. Right. You know, uh, is this your first opera? Who brought you to your first mm-hmm. opera? Do you have any questions? We can all make people feel more welcome in the opera house. Well, and isn't that what inclusion is all about, a feeling of belonging? Feeling of belonging in this community, in this Mm -hmm. art form, in this opera house, in the seat next to me. It's to to make people feel they belong and that uh, the art form can speak to them at whatever level it does. Absolutely. So we have these programs for female composers. Mm -hmm. Composers and librettists of color. Um, we have a mentorship program for female administrators in opera. Mm-hmm. We have a new uh, uh, steering committee of 
uh, people of color to help us think about how we at Opera America can do better mm -hmm. and how our field can do better mm -hmm. to come up with suggestions and good practices for our member companies. Right. So it is, we're, we're trying to take a comprehensive approach that is internal and external mm -hmm. in its focus and where we are trying to get, be, because Opera tells stories, right. we want more different people telling more different stories on the opera stage. You know what? That's the exact thing that Hollywood and the entertainment field sure. is going through right now, Absolutely. where they're trying their best to get more people with different experiences. Mm -hmm. Maybe they look different, right. you know, to tell their stories. Mm -hmm. And they're finding that they're pretty intersectional, mm -hmm. just like the opera last night. Yeah. Um, Asian, American, Indian... Asian, Asian Indian, yes. right, Asian yes. Pacific Islander, if you want to yeah. say it that way. But then there were splashes of MLK. Yeah, absolutely. Because Gandhi was an inspiration for Absolutely. And during the whole third act, uh, we saw just a, a beautiful black man standing, mostly with his back to us, at a podium. Um, and the uh, we learned that he is giving the I Have a Dream speech right. at that moment in a beautiful backdrop with a cloudy mm -hmm. sky, gorgeous backdrop, so that as Gandhi is leading his march mm -hmm. in 1913, at the front part of the stage, high up at the back part of the stage, was his protege, if you will, yes. Martin Luther King giving the uh, I Have a Dream speech. So awesome. And the whole idea that this was Gandhi coming up against the forces that would be against freedom. Yes. What... A great story to tell. And, and the universality of searching for freedom. Mm -hmm. So this story could have been about Martin Luther King, mm -hmm. but it, it, this one was about Gandhi. But it's telling the same story of dynamic leadership leading people to seek greater freedom. Right. And that, that's what's so wonderful about opera, is that irrespective of the superficial details, there are underlying universal themes. Right. And we saw that last night, the superficial details Oh my goodness, I'm going to an opera about the episodes of the life of Gandhi in mm -hmm. South Africa. Really? No. It was an <laughs> opera about our universal quest for freedom. Yes, absolutely. So, there was a moment that I want to mention, mm -hmm. um, and I had this conversation recently with a woman named Audrey Dubois Harris. Mm -hmm. And she happens to be Aretha's Franklin's favorite soprano. Wow. She sang at her funeral. Okay. And she was the first guest on The Culture Soup. And I mentioned Opera America mm -hmm. because you did some real-time social media and got some of the most incredible reach that you've yeah. ever had before mm -hmm. an engagement. Tell me about how that happened and how it relates to sure. The Queen of Soul. Well, every time we have a National Opera Week, which happens annually every year, <laughs> uh, we have an honorary chair. Mm -hmm. And we knew that Aretha liked opera. Mm -hmm. And if we remember back to the Grammy Awards, yes. we saying Nessun Dorma, yes. where Pavarotti wasn't able to sing, yes. and she did it. I thought that was one of the great opera moments of all it time. It was amazing. And it wasn't because she sang Nessun Dorma the way Puccini wrote it. It's because <laughs> she took it and she made it her, made own, it her own without a moment's hesitation. It yes. was just a brilliant demonstration of of star power, of confidence and stuff. Yes, in her it. range. Oh, it was just if people think that she was just the Queen of Soul. So through, 
through our contacts at Michigan Opera Theater mm-hmm. in Detroit, where mm-hmm. Aretha lived, mm-hmm. we uh, got her agreement, and uh, Patricia Kiernan Johnson, who you know yes. from our staff, flew to Detroit, and we got her on camera to talk about why opera has mattered to her in her life. Yeah. And she talked a lot about also loving dance. Yes. Uh, so we had this um, short video statement mm-hmm. from Aretha about why opera mattered. She was our first share of our first national Right. Movie. And when she passed, much to the regret of all of us, we had this wonderful interview B-roll. Right. And we put some things together and put them out on our social media and broke all records. Yes. Oh, my goodness. And I talk a lot about how social media reaches different people. But then it's very important, the content that you put out there. Mm -hmm. And the wonderful thing about Aretha is that she reaches so many. Absolutely. And there were people who did not know of her love for opera, that suddenly got curious about opera, Mm -hmm. not just from the social media that you put out there, but if you were watching the Grammys that night, which I was, (laughs) you were absolutely taken aback. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, you are, and what's amazing about opera, you know, and it is this unamplified voice where the uh, body is the instrument. It's an amazing athletic accomplishment yes. to produce the sounds you heard last night. No amplification, just the the human body is the And did you notice that they absolutely had no movement when they were singing? And when I say that, mm-hmm. you know, the power, yeah. the sheer power which they were singing, mm-hmm. you didn't see them, you know, you know, move right. to make that happen. They right. were perfectly still yeah. and this booming voice just it's training. The training, little training. soprano that was just belting it out, yeah. and she was perfectly still yeah. the entire time. And just blew me long. away. All night long. Yes. Uh, and is, so there is this magnetism of the opera voice, of the opera singer, of the power of what they do. And I think once people hear it, whether mm-hmm. it was Aretha doing it at Radio City Music right. Hall or in other settings, once you hear it, you do want to hear more. And these days, opera companies are performing in grand opera houses like Los Angeles mm-hmm. Opera. But even LA Opera has another program called LA Opera Off Grand, and they okay. perform in different theaters, different venues around LA. A lot of our opera companies do some of their operas, particularly the grand operas of the 19th mm-hmm. century, in the big opera house, but they're doing other uh, works in smaller theaters, black box uh, spaces, lofts, churches. And a lot of the new operas deal with contemporary issues about sexual identity, right. about the impact of war and the experience mm-hmm. of veterans. Uh, there are lots of new works that still use that incredible and amplified voice, but in a contemporary theatrical way about very important contemporary subjects. Right. So if I'm new to opera and I'm listening to this today, what hints or tips might you give me as a new um, person approaching opera Mm -hmm. where where would i go what would i do that might really excite me yeah Mm -hmm. you know there's so many different tastes because people like different kinds of music different kinds of stories if you are new to opera i would first ask do you know anyone who likes opera who's familiar because sometimes we just need to talk to a friend Mm -hmm. to say you know okay i want to go to my first opera what should i do you know this is the sort of thing i like i'd like something Romantic. I'd like something comic. I'd like something really dramatic. Right. I'd like something contemporary. Right. Because there are people who like very contemporary theater, and there are people who love to watch Downton Abbey. Mm-hmm. They're different things. Mm-hmm. So what do you like in 
television? What do you like in film? Right. Uh, and, and if you know someone who likes opera, talk to them about, you know, this is what I like. Well, right. What would you recommend that I, that I go see? Right. Um, if you have an opera company in your community, mm -hmm. probably they have a really rich website that mm -hmm. provides information about all the things they're doing in that season. And you can look at a synopsis. Is, is that the story you want to go see? Right. Frequently they have excerpts. These days, um, on YouTube, you can look at so much and familiarize yourself with, 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 with what opera sounds like. Right. So there are a lot of ways. Opera company websites, friends who like opera, go to YouTube and, and just looking for opera. Right. And you can use hashtags, too. I found a, a burgeoning community of opera lovers and singers and artists on um Instagram. Really? Yes. That's fabulous. So whenever I tag something that's related to the opera, I get a, an influx of all sorts of folks. And I'm oh. sure some of them are listening now. Opera people have opinions. Yes, they do. Every every opera lover has about 10 opinions about everything. Yes. So if you put it out there, you're going to get Absolutely. Feedback. So, um, you know, there's a stereotype that opera is older mm -hmm. or 50 plus we mm -hmm. would say I was so refreshed to see Miss America's yes. performance yeah. her winning performance and she is a Gen Zer, a mm -hmm. centennial mm -hmm. and that will attract people can you speak on how it's important for people to see themselves in the opera experience you know, it's very true and and uh, gosh you know I know that as a gay man, mm -hmm. just how important at certain moments it is that I'm seeing people like me yes. engaging in, in, in whatever that activity mm -hmm. happens to be. And, of course, the preponderance of opera singers on the opera stage are, are Caucasians. Mm -hmm. But there have, we've had in the United States a, a history of great African-American sopranos. Right. Teen Price, Martina Arroyo, Jesse Norman, yes. Kathy Battle, I could go on. Um, and there are more and more Asians on the opera stage Yes, today. I noticed the soprano that Absolutely. I mentioned last she night. Exactly. And the, the baritone that uh, sang last night was African-American. Oh, uh, Morris Roberts. Yes. Oh, wow. Yes. Absolutely. So, um, yes, there are um, you know, people from every race, every country. And well, that's what's so wonderful about mm -hmm. opera. Every performance is a, a global experience. Yes. Because... Uh, in opera houses, you have singers from Europe, from Asia, from South America, from North America coming together to perform in opera. Mm -hmm. And there is increasing diversity on stage, but we have to make sure that that pipeline is broad and open. Mm -hmm. In order to be an opera singer, you have to study as long as it takes to be a doctor. Right. And what are the economics of that? Um, is there social pressure to do something other than go into the arts? What's access like for even getting your audition tape together? Absolutely. It's expensive. Yes. Um, Unless you do it at, at the National, at the Opera, National Center, Opera Center. <laughs> right. You know, even to be you know, fair, you know, coming to New York mm -hmm. is, is not a cheap thing to do. But that was one of my most popular posts, by the way, on was Instagram. Really? Yes. Oh, a lot it. of people got excited about that. that I, I'm happy to hear that. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, one of the things we, we're addressing in Opera America are some of the pipeline issues mm -hmm. to make sure that we are auditioning singers in different places where it's easier for them to go, mm -hmm. that we are figuring out how to provide support to those who may not have an easy path ahead right. of them to become opera singers. But yes, if you go to the opera house today, whether you're Latino, African American, Asian, you're going to see people on stage right. um, who look like you right. and who find meaning in this global art form. What do you think about, 
this age of technology that we're in, we were having the discussion just as I was setting up and how more affordable and more high quality some of this technology is and the gadgets. I'm sitting here looking mm-hmm. at this little bitty mic that's taking in very, very high quality sound from our conversation. Mm-hmm. I think about some of the internet sensations. Um, I don't know if you know Jade Nova, sure, sure. but Jade has a wonderful voice. How do we discover her? Mm-hmm. She probably paid less than a hundred bucks for the microphone yep. that she has. And she's got a musician and she's shooting her own videos. Are you seeing more younger opera um, talents that are using technology in this way to get their audition recordings out there? Or Absolutely. And what, what's fascinating now is that any, almost all opera companies, competitions, young artist training programs, they do require um, a, a digital file as yes. a preliminary step. And it's audio and more and more it's video. Mm-hmm. Um, so singers are getting very good at making recordings um, putting them on their own websites. Yes. Um, now, opera occurs in the theater live. Yes, it does. So, even though technology is making it much more accessible and easy for people to get their voice heard. Yes, foot in the door. In opera, it actually occurs in an acoustical room. Oh, absolutely. That technology. Um, but yes, uh, you know, it, it is it, it more and more imperative that young artists understand how this fabulous relatively inexpensive technology can produce um, a recording that allows them to get their voice out there. Yes. Okay. (laughs) Well, you know what? Is there anything that you want the folks to do out there? A call to action of some kind? I know by the time this airs, Opera Week will be over. Mm -hmm. It's almost over anyway. So Every year is Opera Year. Oh, that's true. (laughs) So what can my listeners do to get involved in something, a project, or just awareness when it comes to opera? Absolutely. You know, you can just go Google opera and the name of your city and see what the local opera company is or what the university is that's doing opera performances. Um, and you can look at the variety uh, and and begin to explore. So it doesn't matter whether it's Opera Week, it's always Opera Year. Yes. And you can just, a simple Google, I'm in Des Moines Opera, and you'll find that there's Des Moines Metro Opera performing in Indianola, Iowa, and they're doing great work. Excellent. So just go and explore um, and open your eyes and your ears and your heart to the profundity of opera. Wonderful. So that's operaamerica.com. So operaamerica.org is America's website. Operaamerica.org. Operaamerica.org. There are a lot of resources Mm -hmm. about opera. You can go to our membership directory and see all the members, hundreds of members around the country. Yes. Um, So it's it's easy to do. And there just if there's a if you want to hear about Carmen just go to YouTube and, yes. and put Carmen and you can start listening absolutely to it. and Instagram is at Opera America and Twitter is at Opera America very simple for us right it is good thanks so Mark much. thank you so it's much it's a pleasure to be with you <laughs> thank you what a wonderful conversation with Mark Skorka CEO of Opera America and there's something else that's very special about this bonus episode, I shot the video. So I'm going to make it available to you uncut on YouTube. From theculturesoup.com, you can see it there. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at The Culture Soup. Now, you won't want to miss Thursday's episode, episode three with Chris.
Chris Drub, the guy that I call the social media for social good guru. Until then, have a great Sunday night. The Culture Soup Podcast is a production of No Silos Communications.